This week on the show, we have Metal Gear historian and model researcher, Metal Gear D-Model. If you're enjoying the show and want to help support it and get access to bonus content like our uncut live listening recording sessions, make sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Freak. You're talking about like your kids um, managing, managing your kids loving Metal Gear Rising memes. I don't know if um, D-Model like goes through that or how his relationship with his kids is re- regarding them and Metal Gear. I, I haven't initiated them yet. I'm, I'm doing the baby steps right now. They're getting into uh, Super Mario Brothers Wii and Mario Kart. And, and my son is just barely getting into to, uh, Legend of Zelda, which I feel like is the first step to the uh, Metal Gear. And, um, that is a, uh, a good gateway. <laughs> Zelda's a gateway drug to Metal Gear. Yeah, you know, Gear. OSP, you know, pers- yeah. Secure yeah. Uh, weapons on site. Like, it's it's all there. It really is all there. Shit. Isn't that uh, isn't that one of those terms that that Jeremy yeah. came up with and then it just stuck? I thought you guys. Yeah. I yeah. I know that because of the episode you guys did. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was the creator of OSP. Yeah. I had I had no idea <laughs> that the uh, the translators could contribute so much. And Kodak, which is in Death Stranding, which is pretty hilarious. I cannot wait to talk about Death Stranding. Fingers and I talked about it a little bit, and he said we absolutely have to bring that conversation into the podcast. Yeah, yeah, he had a pretty funny understanding of it. Hey, I'm Fingers. Yo, it's Apache Smash. Hey, everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. It's probably best if we don't do a video component because you guys, I don't know if you guys listened to Shane's podcast when I was on there, but there was a lot of like, you see this model part in my hand? Oh, perfect for audio <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably played very yeah. well to everybody. Right. I, I still wonder if we should do that at some point. Like, is that worth it? It's so much harder to edit, but. Yeah. Because then I all mean, those, all those like silence gaps that I take out, all of a sudden it's like we're like jumping in place all of a sudden to like another uh, frame. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> that's where you fade to black. I mean, also, you can't really cut anything out. You exactly. Know, you it's just a different format that, I mean, you know, we could figure it out, but it would be a different way to do it. I just don't want to get my face, do my face for recording. Yeah. Like, it's like real comfortable being in PJs and, and, a, and a sweatpants and, and a tear tie. You could do like a VTuber thing. That would be funny. Oh yeah, they did intro- they did actually just introduce like VTubing, a VTubing looking type thing and Zoom, mm-hmm. like enterprise Zoom. So I've been doing sort of the VTubing thing in my company meetings like when I don't have makeup on. It's weird. Okay, so then here's the question. Could we figure out how to adapt models from various Metal Gear games into VTubers? I would love to be the integral not integral slash VR training mailing model. Hmm. The like high poly, well, high at the time polygon. It's a good thing there are no old people here. They'd be totally lost. <laughs> <laughs> What's a VTuber? It's, uh, it's like, um, hmm. Is that where I get my medication through? It's, 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 it's like, uh, you remember like Otacon, oh, wait, you, you played MGS2, right? I just want to like, because they were like, he's, he hasn't played some of the games and it's always oh, a crapshoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've played all of them. Yeah. Well, I played all the, all the canon ones. 
Okay, so basically, just imagine um, Otacon's little a- a- little figure in the little in the little codec uh, photo audit dis- deposit upload thing. Uh, that's kind of a VTuber. God, that'd be easier than 3D models. You're talking about the uh, auto clock, right? Yeah, the auto clock. Uh, what is it? I forget. Does it have a particular name? Like Sprite? Auto clock, I think. I know that's the name of like the the clock, but the name of the actual little model and the photo uploader. I'm not sure, but if somebody wants to animate like a little cartoon Metal Gear D that like acts like that, I would love that. Yeah. Now you, now you got me thinking because that would be way easier than rigging a bunch of 3D models because yeah. you'd have to you'd have to rig the mouths and and set up. Oh man, it would be a a lot of work. I mean, you could do it, but. Mm, doing like doing like Otacon style pixel art would be a lot easier. Well, yeah, you would just need like four or five different like animation frames pretty much for like the different mouth positions and then just fucking shuffle those around. Yeah. And then I wonder if like I could set hotkeys so that you could get different reactions for the hotkeys so yeah. instead of showing our face. This is a great stuff. idea. Yeah, we basically hmm. just want Metal Gear Solid 2 codec avatars as our uh was our podcast that'd be great yeah though if we went the 3d model route then we could actually put them into a codex screen as long as we can zoom in on them and make them have autocons little like freak out facing and Metal Gear Solid one then we'll be all good okay but you're not allowed to hit <laughs> r2 and know what i actually think okay <laughs> god i hate metal gear solid 4 <laughs> <laughs> you know i was thinking about that the other day um it was a joke that days ahead had made uh-oh where you said you did a uh playthrough of metal gear solid and your gift to nitride i think for his birthday was that you made a metal gear solid 4 not canon yes. by letting meryl die yeah. and i, I was yeah. thinking about it i'm like you know what that could render metal gear solid 4 not canon because you could let meryl die and, and play two and three and it's a complete story and it makes four not canon no uh no well, a few loose ends, but I would say they're subjectively loose ends. It's one of those things where it's like some stuff in four could still be canon. Big Boss is still out there. Zero's still out there. But Meryl <laughs> and, and basically the plot of the game's not out there. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, no, that's that. Oh, my God. I haven't streamed in a while. I'm sorry, everybody. But yeah, I, I now I remember that. And then like DRK was also streaming Metal Gear Solid 1. And Meryl Living had won the MGS2 or MGS1 streaming bet. So that was also kind of another reason, like, I got to buck the trends for that day. (laughs) And of course, it was, you know, it was Nitroid's birthday. So maybe maybe Konami would be open to that. Maybe they could do a Metal Gear Solid 4 Redux (laughs) where it's like, okay, this is what Metal Gear Solid 4 would be if if, uh, you give it into torture and Meryl dies. Give it give it sort of like. Uh, oh, I was thinking sort of like the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood treatment, where it's Ooh. it's a bit refined. Um, I don't know if Nitro would still like it though. I mean, there's there is alt universe stuff already. I mean, I know you said you you've only played the canon games, but but uh, spoilers for Ghost Babble if you haven't played it. And, and uh, you know what? You I'll haven't. be okay. Yeah, the spoilers for the Game Boy Advance game. Go for it. It's um. It basically considers that that Metal Gear One happened, and then it's I like knew, it skips Metal Gear Two, and it sort of it's it's hard to explain. I, I, I was aware of that. I got the impression that it was sort of an alternate Metal Gear Solid that Metal Gear Two didn't yeah. happen, and I know that it kind of it's centered around like the remains of TX fifty five, right? 
Uh, yeah, and and there's also like an interesting little tidbit they throw in to the extra material that uh, talks about how Snake is actually Big Boss's biological son. So the whole cloning thing's dropped. Hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Um, we'll probably get into this in the podcast, too. But like, so they're talking about doing like a, a series of Metal Gear Solid movies. And it's like, gosh, like whoever you cast, like, don't they have to play Liquid Snake? And don't they also have to play Big Boss and Solidus? I don't want to think about it. Well, you know, <laughs> we've discussed this before, but if this film is directed by... Um, Paul H.W. Anderson, that's not going to be a problem because Mila Yokovich has already played, you know, <laughs> clones in a video game movie before. So well, no, she'll, she'll play the, the new character who has a whole new name <laughs> and then Solid Snake will sort of be like her sidekick. Yes, yeah. that's exactly just, like, what poses we said. And looks pretty in, in, in sneaking suits, but doesn't really do anything. Yes, that's that's exactly the case. She's going to have the whole like the whole like snakes, the less less infant therapies plot. Um, and Snake's just gonna be the side character. We've, as you can tell, we've had this discussion a little, little too many times. So yeah, I'll, I'll try to try to steer me clear of any discussions you guys have had too many times. <laughs> no, no, I mean we're all for it. It's it's branding, right? I'm mostly worried about. I don't, I don't want to repeat too much stuff that I'd said on Shane's podcast. So I'm, I'm trying to think of like new angles of approaching the material that you know that we'll talk about. Admittedly, that's sort of where I'm. Like I'm, I'm trying to like not repeat anything from there either <laughs> well i i thought um on shane's podcast i went into depth about like how i got involved how i got interested in in the metal gear d model build but like we could talk about how it was actually built and who was involved well for anybody who hasn't heard that can you give us the cliff notes version oh yeah yeah absolutely so you haven't listened to, to my episode <laughs> So shout out to Shane and the Mother Base podcast. Yeah, yeah so go check that out. Shout out to Shane. She is amazingly wonderful. Nitroid, you're actually doing the next episode, right? I am. And then Days Ahead, I think you're doing the one after that? Uh, I am? It, there was sort of, it, it, it was hinted at uh, when uh, Apache was on there. I've, I've volunteered because I remember Apache talking about us in uh, our ridiculous like Discord sessions, but Yes, I will get back to Shane on that. Awesome. Yeah, we've all got a we've all got an upcoming slot on that show. So none of yeah. us have a choice. That's it's just happening. <laughs> You're coming on. You gonna extract him? We willingly chose it though. For sure. Shout out Shane. Shout out the Mother Base podcast. Cliff notes on on how I got involved in this. Like, um, it was after I beat the Phantom Pain came out. Uh, it was about 2017. Uh, I was trying to. I'm I'm a little bit of an amateur artist. I'm I'm not not terribly good, but I'm I'm okay. Could have fooled me. Yeah, seriously, dude. If I put a little bit of effort and work into something, it would look halfway decent. So, like, my entire life, I've wanted to draw a comic book. I've always thought that would be an awesome way of blending artistic skill and storytelling skill. So, I, I needed an artistic style to try to emulate. So, I said, well, I'm going to try to emulate those old uh, Nintendo video game manuals. When you look at them and you'd, like, look at, like... um River City Ransom or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy who did Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of emulated that artwork. So I thought, okay, well, I was thinking about the image of like solid snake smoking the cigarette and behind him is the silhouette of Metal Gear TX-55 and like different soldiers from outer heaven. I'm like, you know what? I, I really like that image. Let me see what other artwork is in the manual and maybe I'll try to emulate that artistic style. And I, I grabbed all the images I could from Metal Gear and then I kind of looked at Metal Gear 2 and started grabbing images from it even though it's clearly like a different artist, different artistic style. And then I ran across a post Nick Darrington had done on 
uh, junkerhq.net on their message boards. And he had posted uh, a handful of photos of those uh, marketing advertisements for, for Metal Gear D that appeared mm-hmm. in like MSX Fan and MSX Magazine. Yeah. And he posted some pictures from the Metal Gear 25th or uh, 20th party. And he basically talked about, hey, I, I knew about these model kits uh, from Japan in the early 80s. And I thought maybe they use those to make this Metal Gear D because he, he'd recognize the spotlight that kind of has that little uh, uh, cover on it. And, and you can only like see like a, a strip of light coming out the middle of it. He said, I, I recognize that spotlight cover from these model kits. And, and sure enough, it's there on Metal Gear D. So he looked through the 21 models and, and recognized that the Croat model kind of had the, the legs of Metal Gear D. And there wasn't too much more information than that. Uh, he was trying to stir up interest. I'd actually connected with him on Twitter this year, and, and we'd had a, a brief conversation. So he was trying to create interest, but at the time he said, well, you know, fandom on social media wasn't as strong as it was now back in 2013. And um, it just is kind of a project that, you know, he didn't really complete. Uh, and if you look at his Twitter page, I mean, the dude's super talented. He's just constantly posting, like, fan art that he did of, like, comic book, you know, different comic book characters. So he's a dude that keeps himself really busy and is constantly moving forward, but he loves Metal Gear. Uh, he's built several of the model, model kits before. He's even built a little model kit of um, Mach 2 from Snatcher. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, and, and it's like he reached into the game and, like, pulled out a 3D model. It looks amazing, and he built it from scratch. And stuff's so intimidating. I've got like I still have my Metal Gear Rex uh Kotobukiya model in the other room. Just like I like opened it and just saw the little pieces and it's like, all right, back in the box you go. Like yep. <laughs> yep, also something I need to stream. I haven't gotten mine yet. Uh, Nitroid kinda let me know when they went up for pre order and I, I went back and referenced that email. It's like you should get this in May of next year. And well, May kind of came and went and I Oh jeez. I haven't got uh, it yet. We actually got it from like a pretty we all ordered it from a pretty sketchy place and then uh happened to all get them pretty promptly so except mine that ended up in customs but that's another story yeah didn't we get ours from like the united arab emissary or some shit like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, we got it from the uae and it you, um, yeah uae it didn't seem legit at all <laughs> that's how i was like i was like man i did not trust this website but we will get our refunds I guess. sorry it, it's not embassy it's emirates united arab emirates yeah is that the website you gave me, Nitroid? No, that was a, an, a that was a more legit. Oh, okay, yeah, that I gave you. More we, we all took a collective risk when we got ours. Yeah, that was before they brought back like the pre-order stuff. Like that right. was what we thought were like the last ones, but then they did another run, and we were like, God damn it! Well, we got uh, we got the MGS4 version of Ray, which I don't think they ever made any other versions of Ray. Uh, and we got the uh, the 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 black version of Metal Gear Rex. Yeah. There's no other model kit for Metal Gear Ray coming from Metal Gear Solid Two. Uh, not from from Kotobukiya, no. Not that I okay. think. I keep, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think that was the only one they did because it was. I, I know they had the, the toys. Uh, a buddy of mine had bought me Solid Snake when Metal Gear Solid Two came out, and it like came with like Metal Gear Ray's leg. Yeah, and the McFarlane figures. Yeah. yeah. And and I like that because it's got the tail and the MGS4 version doesn't. So, did they remove the tail? Well, yeah, because it's if you look in MGS4 when when Ray shows up when the original Ray shows up, it doesn't have the tail. You know, I wanted to talk about this too on the podcast. I don't know if we should, we should save it or not, but Metal Gear Ray is designed to be an anti Metal Gear Metal Gear, and in Metal Gear Solid Four, it's 
in perfect health, if it's never been damaged, it's the one that, you know, uh, Ocelot took from the boat, the Discovery, and he goes up against yep. Solid Snake in the most busted Metal Gear Rex that was so busted that Liquid abandoned it, and Snake wins. Um, it's it's a repeat of the of the whole thematic element from MGS one where technically Liquid's superior, but Solid wins. Don't be defined by your genes, etc. It's mirroring that. I'll take your word for it. MGS four is very uh for for as literal as the answers are, the game is very non literal. It's kind of strange. It's a it's a rabbit hole of a conversation. I mean, there are also some like store brand things that are just like I would say objectively better than, you know, the the good brand. This is you know, this might have been an example of that, but who knows? You're probably right. <laughs> they don't build them like they used to. Yeah, you could I also say so. that. Then you got some philanthropist that's just like, what the fuck? I mean I can't, I can't even pronounce that properly. I have to say ST84. <laughs> it it's funny. Uh there's a there's a meme that I've seen make the rounds where it shows like you've got the Shagohod and then you've got uh Peace Walker and the AI uh mechs, and then you've got Sahelanthropus, and then fast forward and you've got the TX fifty five, and there's like Big Boss standing there complaining about the budget. Because <laughs> it's so much smaller. Yeah. I feel like I've had those conversations with my wife. Oh no. But honey, I, I I need this amount of money to make a Metal Gear D. <laughs> that was just a I joke. mean she's been very supportive. <laughs> How I mean that that raises a question though. How much of an investment is it to to get everything you need to build this thing? That's a good question. I have four model kits and I wish I'd done my estimates. I know I need to buy another model kit again because Metal Gear D has four toes and I only have two of the toes. So I have so to buy you that actually model need kit. multiple of the same model kit just to pull this off. That's right. Unless I were to maybe take some molds. And then, like, melts the plastic rims of the model kits into the molds. But that feels like cheating. It yeah, because like you're trying to make the authentic, like, you're trying, trying to, make to make it the like they of, made it. Yeah, I'm trying to make it exactly like they made it. So everything I'm using predates 1990. So I'm buying model kits that were manufactured in 1984, 1985, and were never opened, never touched. Hold on, hold on. So, so I know I had talked to you sort of um in private before a little bit about this and you mentioned that the company that made those kits had a name change but they're still producing more or less all of those kits correct basically yeah are you guys familiar with uh kind of this japanese modeler kao yokiyama i want to say or something like that mm. he's the he's the guy that um well he, he he's done a lot of different model kits and he's been involved with them but basically there's this magazine called hobby japan and in 1982, he started to do these like custom model kit cash, you know, uh, kit bashing builds. And he, uh, the kind of the, uh, in the magazine, the article it was under was called the wonderful junk kits. And then very quickly after that in 84 and 85, they started putting out these SF3D original model kits. They put out 21 total. And then suddenly they were hit by some kind of a lawsuit. Cause I don't think they did the copyright or trademark correctly. 
and they stayed out of print until like 1997 or eight. It's really funny to me to think about like Metal Gear D just being like a kit bashed like nuclear weapon. They're like, all right, well, we'll just take this from this piece and take the thing from this tank over here. It's pretty yeah. funny. It's pretty funny. So just to follow up with what I was going to ask you, the reason I asked that was because you, you mentioned that these are old model kits. So you didn't buy the reprints. You managed to hunt down the actual kits that were made at that time. That's that's absolutely right. I mean, you can tell the Jeez. difference because the new model kits, I don't know if you guys know the name. I call them MA.K. Yeah, I've seen them. The, yeah, that's that's the the new name that they go under. After the lawsuits were all settled and they, you know, this uh model creator got the rights and everything, he started producing them under a different name, under a different company, but they were the exact same molds, they were the exact same instructions. I know because I have the Crote model kit from 84. And I also have his reprint of the Croats from 97, and they're identical. The parts are laid up exactly the same. They're the exact same size. The instructions are exactly the same. The only thing that's different is instead of called SF3D Original, they're now called MA.K. How in the hell did you find those? I wish I had this amazing story for you, Nitroid. I really do, where I was like, I went to Tibet, and I had to go <laughs> undercover, but I just got on eBay. Three years with the monks, and then a... A very rare yeah. pre-order site up on the mountain. I just got on eBay, and if you type in, like, Crote on eBay, you might find, like, seven Crote model kits, and I was always looking for the one that was kind of the cheapest price. All right, so what, what is Crote? <laughs> Crote uh, is German for frog. Ah, okay. Now, in the model kit line, they basically have a bunch of armored suits where it looks like old-time divers that would have those, like, bubble, bubble helmets on. Okay. But uh, two of the 21 model kits are like mech models. Another two of the 21 model kits are like jets. And most of the rest of them are just kind of like powered armor suits. But Metal Gear D uses parts from all of these things, from the jets, from the, the power suits. The Gustav is one of these power suits. And mostly the, the Croat model. It uses almost every single part from the Croat model. Ah, okay. Let's see some pictures here in chat now. So how many how many model kits in total do you need to make this thing? I know you also said something to the extent of um, not everything in the Metal Gear D model comes from a model kit. They had to do some work themselves. That's absolutely right. Because I, I spent a lot of time looking at the Metal Gear D model, and I'm like, you know what? That head looks so darn good. I feel like that must be an official model kit that they, like, turned upside down or backwards or, like, cut a head in half. But after like a year of looking into that, I'm like, no, you know what? It's just modeling clay that they put on the croat head and, and sculpted it into that lumpy design that everyone loves. That's kind of funny. <laughs> lumpy. Yeah. Now, it's got a lot, a lot of parts embedded in it. And once you know what's clay and what's the croat head, you completely understand how they like took these hooks and like stuck them in the clay. So ultimately, that'll be the only one that you'll essentially have to have a mold for if you want to ever reproduce this. Um... Yeah, in, I, I do. More than once, I mean. I do want to reproduce it, but honestly, with my second build, I want to use the uh, Ashley Wood 3A Crote model kit, which was actually a 1 12th scale, so it's almost twice as big. Oh, geez. So I if I do that, that, I'll have to do the mold again. But then, yeah, in theory after that, if I build any more 1 20th scale, which is what I'm doing now, which is what they did, or 1 12th scale, I might be able to make a mold of the head and then reproduce it identically if I'm if I'm satisfied with how it turned out. That would be insane. Yeah, it's 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 going to be quite the chore. And I was talking with Fingers. Fingers was like, "Well, you must be some kind of a 
You, you must be some guy that grew up making model jets and, you know, had a lot of experience making models and no, I, none. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, I'm not a model builder. I'm just a Metal Gear fan. There, if, if, uh, if I'm recalling right, Rex was made somewhat similarly though, with more custom work. Is that about you're, right? You're absolutely right. If you look at some good, uh, photos of that Shinkawa Rex model, yeah, which I absolutely yeah. love, by the way. If you kind of know what you're looking at, you you kind of like, yeah, you know what? It seems like he did a lot of like, uh, maybe he did a lot of sculpting in clay. I think somewhere they talk about the process because I feel like I've caught wind of it where he sculpted it in clay. Yeah, I think they you know c cook it or whatever, or they let the clay dry, and then they make a, a negative mold of it, which they then pour like vacuum, you know. <laughs> some kind of uh, plastic or something, vacuum-formed yeah. plastic in the molds. Yeah, I think he actually talked about that in the... Uh, I could, God, I could be wrong about this, but I think it was in the the uh, official mission handbook, the, the U.S. strategy guide for MGS-1. That would be cool to look into. I don't know if anybody's ever done that before, but I think it would be possible. I think what should be done... And Nitroid, you were kind of showing some interest in doing this for Metal Gear TX-55, but someone needs to try to reproduce that... Um, that Rex model is like a, a 3D render. I think it could absolutely be done because there's pictures of their wireframe model online. Um, yeah, and that, that early wireframe model was back when they were doing FMVs for the cutscenes rather than in engine. And uh, at that point, if I'm remembering right, Rex in the game still had the, the cannon style arm rather than the railgun. That's right. They were producing commercials where there's like all this smoke and steam around yeah. Metal Gear Rex. Um, and I think maybe early gameplay footage or something like that, but in, I can't remember what the publication is, but it actually shows the pictures where they took his model and they photographed it from the front and from the side and from the top and from the back. And then they put that into a computer and basically created a 3d wireframe model that was identical to those photographs from different angles. Yeah. Now, and that it's... wireframe model can be found online as a 2D photograph, and I think it could hmm. probably be used by somebody that's good with 3D rendering to make a, a new 3D render that we have access to. Yeah, and with the photos that are available, uh, there's enough to extrapolate from to get something pretty close to accurate. Yeah. I think so, and I've identified uh, a couple of parts on Metal Gear Rex, the original model, that came from the model kits that I have, so we could measure those parts and then go, okay... This part is a pretty big, pretty chunky part. If it's, uh, I don't know, 38 millimeters, then we can apply that to the rest of the model and know how big Shinkawa's model is. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's not too big. Yeah, um, it's pretty small. It's pretty small. It's just a hair bigger than the, the D, and it's, it's on a wooden platform, so it might actually be yeah. like the same yeah. size. Um, I, I mean, there, there are shots of them side by side and next to pieces of paper. I think there's even one of Shinkawa holding it, so that will, that would give you sort of a decent idea. But it would be interesting if you could find the few pieces that he did use from those kits. But it sounds like he was just grab bagging from anything he could find. So that's probably a lot harder. Yeah, uh, I found some of the pieces. I found one. There's like one that's basically like uh, the calf muscle of Metal Gear Rex. I found that. Ooh. And on its backside, it has a couple of like cylinders that are up underneath Rex's, the back of yeah, the, yeah. Rex's head. And I, I found those too. Oh, dang. So if you were to you're resourceful, both of those, man, I don't know how you're finding these. I've seen some <laughs> of those. It was a total accident. This is basically, honestly was... becoming a lesson on information literacy. Because, no, yeah. No. Days ahead, you're absolutely right. I mean, the way I think of this is visual information. 
And I've been thinking a lot about like, um, you see those like U2 spy photos of like the, the Cuban Missile Crisis? Yeah. And you look at them and you're like, how did the hell did anybody look at these photos and see these like micro dots in the photo and go, those are, those are ICBMs. And, and those are the trucks that hold ICBMs. And th this route and the way they have everything set up is a, a nuclear launch site. It's like, how the hell could you tell that? Well, doing what I've been doing for as long as I've been doing it, I kind of get it now. You just get like familiarity with like what's there and what's different. With all the parts. Yeah. When you have the model kit parts in your hand and you're looking at a blurry. Well, there's probably also some inference too, based on on the context of, you know, like, okay, well, I know this is there and I know this sort of looks like that. So even if I can't visually make out X element, there's only one or two things it could be. Which one makes more sense? That That's a good point. Like how much of this going back to, you know, trying to parse the information you need to build this model. How how much of a percentage would you say came from, you know, just looking at documentation? How much came from knowledge that you had of the game? How much came from like referencing, you know, artwork? Like what was what, how would you break that down? That's a really, really good question. Um, I, none from the game, really. Um, there's not much you can get from the game. I got a little bit from the game. You know, the, the kind of pseudo 3D wireframe model of Metal Gear D? Yeah. Yeah. There was a time very early in the project where I had no understanding of what the right side of Metal Gear D looked like, because that's the only side that doesn't have an illustration. And for a while there, I couldn't find any good pictures of the right side either. Now, there are people who have tried to 3D render Metal Gear D, and, and you can find those online, and there's about five or six of them, and they always get it wrong. And I would look at them and go, well, that's, that's clearly wrong. I, I don't think that's correct, but I, I didn't know what was correct either because I'm struggling with the same issues that those guys struggled with. So what I did was I looked at the 3D wireframe model or the pseudo 3D wireframe model, and the part specifically that caught my attention was the right armature that holds the six missile pod. Mm -hmm. You can get a really good look of like how that thing is and what it is and how it works in that like 3D wireframe model. I'm like, okay, that's basically like a, a number four that's made out of flat, model parts mm. if i remember right the uh, the arm the 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 missile bay uh that that also kind of had some changes to it like that in some of the marketing photos they show it having a uh, a cannon on it y yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely right and uh, i wanted to make sure that everything i did was uh uniform to what was out there so i did tons of research myself and all the guys that are out there that we kind of go to for information that kind of really know their stuff like Arcound. And uh, well, there's there's a group of them like bad Lord, humans, uh, and, yeah, all those guys, yeah, bad humans, <laughs> all of those guys that talked about it with the cannon arm, because I just would have referred to it as what how Nitroid did. I would have said, well, this is the alternate configuration with the cannon arm, but they would refer to the cannon arm configuration as Metal Gear D revision. Hmm. So I said, okay, well, I want to make sure that the information I put out there is uniform with what's already out there that predates me and my involvement with Metal Gear D. So every time I post a photo of it with the cannon arm, I say Metal Gear D revision. Cool. I wish more people would do that. <laughs> make well, things you know, a lot easier. You don't want to go, well, I want to put my stamp on it. I'm going to yeah. make the right. definitive name. I'm like, fuck that. No, I, I want people to be able to do their own research and know what Metal Gear D revision is because people who have been talking about this longer than I have, that's what they called it. And also, because if you have all these different that. names, it's impossible to do any research on. I mean, stuff we've yeah, talked about it, it on it the show it, before, but stuff's disappearing on a daily basis. It, exactly. Oh. Stuff is disappearing on a daily basis. And that's what, what I've been struggling with is that 
nobody that's posted photos of this thing online have labeled those photos Metal Gear D. So like, how do you manage that? Like, you know, is there any is there any like standard that you guys have put forth? Is it just kind of ad hoc and just things kind of naturally um, were naturally sort of organized or? Oh, is this in general or about the Metal Gear D project? About the Metal Gear D project. Like you were you're talking about making sure that all of your documentation and all of the model names were correctly referred to, like the correct models with their specific components and whatnot. Like, how do you manage keeping that standard and in such a small, like for, for lack of a better term, because I don't want to sound insulting, but for, for such a small, like less organized community? No, I mean that's that's a very good point. I mean, as you're talking about what you're talking about. I can't help but think about like the probe that NASA launched to Mars and it just crashed into Mars because it was a joint project between like Europe and America and they were using the metric system and we were using whatever oh, fuck. system we're using <laughs> that screwed up. And so like we were putting in feet and yards and they were putting in like meters and kilometers uh. and we were putting in miles and, and like so it just completely fucked up the computer and it crashed into Mars. I want to make sure I, I get those type of things right, uh, but there's no team here. It's It's literally just me. Just a, a one man operation, and um, I do I do tons and tons and tons of research before I before I'll speak on something as an expert. So I I really wanted to make darn certain that I I knew my stuff inside and out, that I sort of knew what the standard was, because I, I I mean the, what this whole thing is about is that I mean you guys know this too. There's not a lot of information out there on Metal Gear D. No. There's not a lot of photographs of it. There's not a lot of information on it. Uh, we don't. It seems like at some point somebody would have photographed it from every angle and put it on a CD-ROM disc in like 1999 <laughs> for like Metal Gear fans to look at and enjoy. But you know, it's it on the on the subject of standardization. I I, I kind of uh, I, I have an interesting example within the Metal Gear community and and something that I actually uh, in my youth in my foolish youth contributed to, uh, which is kind of funny. But. Go on. Well, OK, so so early on in the Metal Gear online community days, you know, fa you know, rewind back to the, you know, early 2000s or so when fan sites there. Were, were actually active and there were not soundtracks readily available. You know, there weren't there weren't streaming platforms. If you wanted soundtracks from the game, you either had to record it from the game yourself or get lucky importing it from from somewhere. It, it just there wasn't really a clear way to do it. Right. And so a lot of people would for the for the music that wasn't on official soundtracks that managed to make their way over here, they would record stuff from the game as clean as they could. Um, usually analog, rarely digital. Uh, they would tag it as best as they could come up with names, maybe even make up their own fan art for the album cover, you know, and like you've got. So like they would pull the first track from a game and they go like uh, Metal Gear 2 intro or something like that or Metal Gear yeah. 2 um, infiltration begins. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a bunch of these fan soundtracks and, and the, the, the old fan sites used to do this all the time. It's a lot of fun, you know, but it did create sort of a weird issue where now a lot of track names are referred to names that aren't really official. And uh, Ghost Babble uh, is my fault specifically. I was going to say, aren't, aren't you responsible for that one? I remember you telling yeah. me that. You're like, yeah, you like those track names? Guess who wrote them. Yeah, <laughs> so if you look up, uh, like, Ghost Babble soundtrack on YouTube or on, like, game, like, uh, you know, rip websites or wherever, you're going to see a bunch of track names, right? Um, 
And I made all those up. Just as I tried to come up with names that I thought sounded like what you would see in MGS1, and they stuck. And now everybody uses them. That's kind of cool. Sorry. That's that's, that's <laughs> culture, man. That's art from adversity. I guess, but I feel bad about it because it's not at all official. Don't, don't, and, uh, don't feel bad about it. Uh, you filled a void. <laughs> Daisy, I actually wanted to address your point. Uh, you're, you're like, well, there's so much stuff out there. Like, how, how did you make sure it was uniform and all that? The truth is, nobody's done this before. Nobody's tried to... Well, you know, Nick Darrington kind of got started, and I, I'm more of somebody else that actually bought the Crope model kit because they knew it made the Metal Gear D, but nobody's done the research and then made it public. So there's not a bunch of other guys that have done this that I'm like, well, I need to make sure this matches, like, you know, what's-his-face, and Arkhound did the right arm, and I need to make sure it matches, you know, Arkhound's research. There, there's nothing out there. It's just an empty void for, for me to fill. And since I know they use these SF3D model kits, and in Nitro, I told you this once, I basically figured out that the entire Metal Gear D model was built with these SF3D original model kits. So yeah. that's made it a little bit easier for me that I'm not like having to also do research into Gundam wing model kits and all kinds of other oh, stuff God, I don't yeah. understand. If it was like that, which I think Metal Gear G is, I'd be screwed. I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. I which, wouldn't know where to go. G but is a doing, whole nother can of worms, man. It, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But I think that is actually built using different brands of model kits with the, from different franchises. But Metal Gear D is all these SF3D original model kits, and there were only 21 of them. So it's just a matter of going through each of them, one at a time, looking for a part. So what's the end goal here, other than building it? I mean, because I, you talk about making it public, so what's, what's sort of like the, the final end point of this? The final goal would be to, to get the information out there. I mean, to tell you the truth, like my dream is that by like within the next year or two to get the information out there officially, make it look really nice, put it together like in a, in a book if I can and like get it officially released. But I don't understand how that copyright and trademark works for Konami and yeah. where I've pulled these images from. I mean, that's probably just a, a pipe dream that'll never happen. So what I'll probably end up doing is releasing it online as a PDF and just go, okay, here's release day. Isn't this kind of funny? I'm kind of doing what Ocelot did with the Mo disk data on Rex. I was about to say, it's pretty meta what you're doing here, like, at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how the technical specs of Metal Gear were sold on the black market after Shadow Moses? All Ocelot's doing. Exactly. And now every state, group, and dot com has its own version of Metal Gear. I regret to inform you that I have no intention of selling Metal Gear. As I said, I came to take it back. It's 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 a little meta, so that's kind of fun. But releasing it online, and then basically, like my my dream would be by you know five years from now, I see like fan model builds cropping up left and right online, where people are like, "I built Metal Gear D." I think that'd be so cool. That's that's my end goal to get the information documented properly, each and every part, what model kit it comes from, what model kits you need to buy to do this, get the information out there, and then see fans do these builds from themselves. That's that's my end goal. Okay, so it was. It was it was less of a case of like, you know, something sort of organically going together. And it was more of like, be the change that you want to see in the world. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I'm a fan of the Metal Gear series. This is something I'm interested in. I would have been very happy if somebody else had, had taken up the torch and did this so that I could just follow suit and go, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to buy these model kits and, and make a Metal Gear D using their instructions. But that information wasn't out there. So it caused me to kind of seek out that information. Okay, can I find a few more photos of this thing? 
okay, can I find anywhere in any publication where Kojima has talked about Metal Gear D and slowly starting to collect this stuff and going, gosh, like no one has ever put all of this information together and presented it in one place before. You go to some uh, uh, like IGN.com and you look up uh, photos on the Metal Gear 20th anniversary party and you see like, you know, 100 photos and there might be like two photos of Metal Gear D. And that's cool and all, but like, where's the web, the fan website or, or where's the, the central fan location where you can go and all of the visual data on Metal Gear D is located there? Sorry. It's on twitter.com slash Metal Gear D model. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's where it is now. We used to have that and it's gone now. And it hurts. <laughs> you know, I see a lot of parallels, like how you describe this, but it, it sounds very parallel to sort of Nitroid's initiative with standardizing or documenting out how to mod MGS2 and and his like future vision of people having their own mods and there being some sort of standardization. You're absolutely right. Nitroid gets in there and maybe he's not the first guy to attempt it. I'm certainly not the first guy to attempt this Metal Gear D model build, but I'm I'm the one I'm the one who's gotten it the furthest so far and then try to make it public just like Nitroid. He's kind of the, the first one to really try to roll up his sleeves and get his hands in there and go, look, nah. anybody can do this. Anybody could mod Metal Gear Solid 2 if they would just put in the effort. And this, here's kind of how it's done. And I'm going to try to put a document together explaining how you can do different things and then see other people kind of, you know, take up the torch and run with it. Everybody deserves to play as Fat Man. <laughs> well, Everyone deserves to play as Fat Man. And hopefully by 2030, because Nitroid, Hopefully we'll have Metal Gear Solid 2 play as Vamp. Metal oh, Gear Solid boy. 2 uh, play, play as uh, 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 Bryden's girlfriend. I'm going I'm <laughs> to interject real quick, because just, just to be clear, I n- am a super novice with this stuff. If, if anything, I think what I could contribute the most is maybe ex- giving, giving this scene exposure and getting more people into it. Um, I'm definitely not the one figuring this stuff out and everything I've been able to do has been because of other people helping me figure out how to do things that they've already done. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's where it starts. I mean, when I first started this thing back in, uh, uh, 2017, I was like, you know, gosh, this is hard. This is confusing. I don't understand it. I wish somebody else would do this. I don't want to be the one to do this. I understand a little bit, but now I, I kind of, I'm not somebody that likes to brag or toot my own horn, but like, I feel like I understand the Metal Gear D model better than anybody on the planet right now. He probably even did. more than the guy that made it because he made it like 32 years ago. I mean, what does he really remember? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. Uh, there is I don't I don't know much about him, but it's it, it, what you're doing reminds me a little bit of what uh, somebody else just did yesterday, or maybe he reminds me of you, whatever way you want to look at it. but. Uh, there is a software developer named Boris Laren who just yesterday, uh, out of nowhere, uh, put up a video on YouTube talking about how, hey, I've spent uh, all of this time very quietly reverse engineering parts of Metal Gear Solid 2 so that I can add the subsistence style 3D camera to the game. And it works. And here it is. Uh, it's not quite done yet. You know, it's it. I guess he's going to be trying to release it sometime uh, within within a year or so. But this guy, you know, as far as as far as I'm aware, was never a part of any of the, the Metal Gear modding scenes. He was just a developer who went, hey, this would be cool and did it. 
you know, it's it, which is just amazing. I mean, there you, you, I, I'm honestly speechless. <laughs> I, I've been a Metal Gear fan since like 1989 or 1990. Like I've, Damn, I've been a too, part man. of the Metal nice. Gear. <laughs> nice. High five. Finally, somebody else. I did not exist in 1989. Yeah, we're old. I was two. I guess I might have played Metal Gear 1 when I was two. I don't know. That's like that that hazy period where you kind of just start slamming all the cartridges in. I was an avid fan, and I, like, I've loved it for years, but like I, I never participated in the community online. Um, well, well, you like, don't figures, have to, I, you know? It's, it's not a requirement yeah. for you to do cool stuff like this. In fact, I find a lot of things just kind of pop out of nowhere. They're not... You know, it, it yeah. the Metal Gear community can be kind of insular at times, and then all of a sudden, somebody out of nowhere will be like, "Hey, I'm not part of this, but check out this thing I did that you guys have only dreamed about." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, Metal Gear has kind of been my my private meditation thing, where like I play this single player story, and I, I I love it, and I maybe I talk about it to my brother, who's also a fan too, but all my close buddies aren't aren't into it at, at all. But I started working on this model build, and I'm like, okay. I, I, I need help. I need help finding these photographs. And not only do I need help finding these photographs, I think this project is special. And I think the Metal Gear fan base would, would be interested in this project. So I, I hopped on Twitter July of last year. And it's been an absolute blast, especially since like you guys give me a shout out like way back when, when I first kind of hit the scene on, <laughs> on uh, Twitter. And kind of made publicly known. Yeah, you gave us a bunch of questions that day. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we sorry, like looked in your that. profile. We're like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Sorry about that, but thanks for the shout out and thanks for answering those questions. I, I really appreciate it. But like, I, I I've been around, but I, I just haven't been interacting with the community. Like, I've never done Metal Gear Online one, two, or three. I just did the single player story on you know normal difficulty and then hard or extreme and and then you know i would talk about it with my brother and i'd kind of uh, think about these themes and these ideas on my own but it wasn't until i felt like i needed the community's help and had something that i wanted to share with the community that i wanted to kind of hop online and, and become a part of it well we're happy you're here longest lurking period ever thank yeah. you I appreciate that. <laughs> um on the subject of metal gear d uh i wanted to bring this up to you i can't remember if i've ever mentioned it or not to you but have you ever seen the film gunhead gunhead i have not okay uh you'll probably find this pretty interesting then uh and some of it is a it's a little bit speculative but i'd say safely so uh it's a it's a late 80s uh sci-fi film um about a, a i guess a, i'm trying to go from memory it's been a really long time since i've watched it uh but group of soldiers going up against this this advanced robotic ai system right i love it and a lot of the imagery is suspiciously similar to metal gear 2 and so you're saying it came out before metal gear 2 yeah yeah uh 89 is this the one that has the profile picture of like holly white yes okay i i think i am vaguely aware of this actually it's even got the wireframe model of the mech that looks yeah. again very much like uh, Metal Gear D. So uh, a Kojima influence for the game. Uh yeah, it seems that way. Uh, at, at, in, at the very least, in the case of Holly White, uh, unmistakably. That's cool though. As I for, like when filmmakers yeah. do that. I mean, that's what Quentin Tarantino does. Is he he picks things out like, okay, I like what. Um, oh gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Bruce Lee. I, I like what Bruce Lee is wearing in Game of Death. I'm gonna pull that out and put that on my heroine. And then he does that for like a million other things. And then he mixes it around and 
has his yeah, own story to yeah. tell and has his own dialogue and has his own themes, but there's all this iconic imagery around it. That's that's perfectly okay to kind of remix this stuff and put it back together. Yeah, I'm not saying there was anything wrong with it. It was just I thought you might find it interesting, and it's 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 a fun movie. It's worth a it's worth a watch if you can get a hold of it. I'll check it out. Fingers, I, I sent you the the liner notes to uh, Metal Gear Two. Have any of you yeah. got, you guys read the uh, Arcound uh, translation of those? I don't think so. A while back, I don't. It's been a while. I don't remember them. Arkhound has like a, a lower resolutions photos of it and he's translated them. And basically like they're talking about the behind the scenes production of Metal Gear 2. And when they get to the part where the guy who built the models that says, oh, yeah, we use the Croat model by Nido. <laughs> it's redacted. <laughs> it's, it, it's redacted. They have like the first letter yeah. of Nido. They had the first letter of Croat and everything else is crossed out and you can't see it. <laughs> and, this isn't, it's so funny because like. You know, in Japan, you've got the doujin scene where creative works and 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 sort of like, you know, fans taking liberty with things is sort of the norm. But over here, it it's not we don't really have the quite the same thing. So it's harder to get that kind of stuff made and sold. Whereas in Japan, it seems it's more it's more kind of accepted. You know? Yeah. Like you could publish. I've seen doujins uh, related to Metal Gear before that have been sold openly on oh on God. websites with no problem. Uh, no, I, I'm not talking about that. Yeah, I'm not talking not about you. that. It's not you. It's me. It's me. I can't think of that word without thinking. It's okay. I know it's what not you're thinking. Your fault. But, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the the fan the fandom in Japan is much more open, and you've got like Comicette where people sell their their doujin works. And one one of them that I really liked, uh, I can't, I, I'll have to look up the the the, the guy's name, but uh, there's a guy on Twitter who made a book that was just a collection of information on all of the fonts used in all of Kojima's games over the years, and it says like in this menu or in this title in this book and it's like it's this font it's this font it's set this way it was like really interesting and he only did like one oh printing yeah of it. somebody shared a page of that with me because i said oh did anybody ever notice that um metal gear 2 has the exact same font as metal gear solid 2 and 3 and then it's like somebody immediately stepped in and said no not exactly here's a page right. of that book that the analyst <laughs> but it does have the same as snatcher it does but it's italicized in snatcher isn't it uh yeah and then it's funny because what they ended up using for Sudacher, which was Suda51's directed radio play, that uses the MGS2 and 3 font. That's cool. So it was kind of like they both hopped over, you know? Well, they, they, who, who, sometimes I just think that information is lost. Like people have analyzed the uh, opening crawl of the new Star Wars sequel trilogy, and they're like, ah, aha, they got the, they got the font wrong. Look at the A, it, the lowercase A in the original trilogy. And look at the lowercase a in the new movies. It's totally different. And so it's it's like, who who is who holds this information? And like, where is it being kept? And how is it not standardized? And that how kind do of stuff you bugs even, the heck out of me. Well, another better. I mean, another question, you know, corollary to that is how do you document? <laughs> Disney threw out oh, no. the digital assets when they threw out the extended universe. <laughs> <laughs> Someone dropped the ball over at Disney. Like, and I think their name is uh, dang. KK. They're like, Kathleen, where did the fonts go? <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> Quick, run it through, find a font. Have you <laughs> yeah. just been watching Obi-Wan? Obi I've not watched it yet. I, I haven't even finished watching Boba Fett. I've, I've kind of 
just stop I, watching most TV. I almost fell asleep watching Boba Fett until they got to like episode five, and then suddenly it turned into Mandalorian season three, and I was like, oh, well, this, yeah. is, this isn't a pleasant <laughs> surprise. I, um, I, I've watched two shows lately. Um, one is I, I bought a new soundbar, and so I've been trying to get like good TV in. Uh, first thing is I plugged in my parents' HBO Max account, and I started watching The Sopranos. And holy shit, shout out to everybody on Twitter who's been throwing me Soprano memes. Uh, because that community's memes are fucking top tier. Oh, God. I need to get into Sopranos. My brother was really into it in college. And like, I I tried. I watched the first episode. It didn't, didn't really grab me right away. So I kinda, unfortunately, I didn't really stick with it. But I'm aware of its great reputation. I want to check it out sometime. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's as my friends call it uh, rich in lore. So definitely check it out. Um, but the other thing I wanted, wanted to watch and I, I kind of wanted to bring this up because Hojima influenced me in watching this was uh, Stranger Things season four. Um, yeah. Seeing Kojima in his that. Argyle cosplay. Oh, you definitely have you have you not watched the season or have you not watched the show? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I have been watching that. Yeah, I, I like Stranger Things a lot. I think season three kind of was starting to falter for me. But season yeah. four is definitely like rebounding in, in, in my eyes. Yeah, I was just saying that earlier. Season four is definitely like punching back. It's just got really good pacing. And I don't know. It's good again. I've seen the first season. I know nothing about this show. My wife's terrified of uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So oh, like, yeah. I was, oh man, I was fist pumping when like Robert England. <laughs> yeah, in the new I, was, season. I was like, wait a minute, that's fucking Robert England. <laughs> it's fitting that he would be the victim of a dream demon. Yeah, happens. <laughs> um, I can. I I don't want to spoil it too too much because I know it just came out pretty recently. But um, I can definitely see why Kojima would enjoy it. Um, it is very derivative, and I mean that in the best way possible. Um, the uh, the the takes off of like Nightmare and Elm Street and other horror um, have been fantastic. And as soon as I I, I didn't want to say it was too derivative, but as soon as I saw Robert England in that jail, I was like, oh shit, okay, yeah, this is it, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that worked perfectly for me. But then in, in the very, very next episode, uh, Dustin references a Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm like, ooh, that was that was taking it too far. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have said it. You, you know. can have Robert England in there, but don't don't say Nightmare on Elm Street the episode after. Yeah. Which which honestly is also kind of a Kojima thing to be that like blatant. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. Um and then just sort of like the shift in tone. I can definitely see Kojima appreciating sort of the darker elements, both in terms of like the brutality, but also, you know, some of the situations the kids are going through. Um, yeah, I like how and like they were saying Angela was kind of over exaggerated. And I'm like, clearly you kids did not go into to school between like 1985 and 2005. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, a whole different world. Overhead projectors and slideshows and <laughs> eight millimeter. Shout out uh, Kate Bush. I just want to say that. That's oh, yeah. Stuck in my head the past week. I can absolutely see Kojima being all about the whole like kate bush renaissance and the whole like oh you know music is the one thing that get pat gets past vecna uh oh i love that absolutely absolutely oh oh i'm sucker for that shit i'm sure kojima is as well so yeah i can absolutely see why he's hyped uh, for this my walkman nearby somewhere but yeah i need to uh i need to put my favorite song in it in case i get into a vecna situation 
<laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I've never been so thankful for like streaming services now because if Vecna comes today, it's like, oh, well, pull that shit up on Apple Music. We'll be fine. Well, what would you guys' Vecna song be? <sighs> Herbie Hancock, Chameleon. I've thought about this a lot. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and say mine uh, because of Metal Gear Solid Five. Probably Kim Wilde's "We're the Kids in America." Really? I okay. I would play the game and just listen to that over and over and over again as I blew people away and rescued hostages and put bombs on trucks and then blew them up a mile away. And yeah, I I, I really got a kick out of that one. Uh, if I were to pick an answer right now, it would probably be like a a theme from Final Fantasy fourteen. To be honest. Hey, beautiful music. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to be a huge Resident Evil fan and Final Fantasy fan, too, just like Metal Gear. But over the years, those ones kind of fell off for me and I stopped following them. But Metal Gear, I, I never faltered once. I, I, I played through all of them. Well, have you been following anything recently? I was going to say, as you mentioned Resident Evil, um, we are like a secondary Resident Evil podcast. <laughs> Did you see anything? All that all that Resident Evil shit and the state of play? Uh, I, I, I heard about it after the fact. Uh, uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake is coming out. Is that right? Yes. Which is cool. Who could have guessed? But they did Code Veronica dirty. Ah. They did. They did three dirty. I'm still mad about that. <laughs> Nitroid seems pretty upset about it on uh, on our chats. I, I did. God bless them. I loved Resident Evil Resistance, but I did make double check online to make sure Neo Bard wasn't touching this one. Um. Is that but the I'm, I'm uh, really look- behind Resident Evil 3 remake? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, it was sort of like a BT. I, I think they'll ha- I think they'll handle it a little better because Resident Evil 3 didn't that start off as kind of a spin-off game, and then they were like, well, this is kind of quality enough. We'll just call it Resident Evil 3. From my understanding, it started off as Resistance, which was that sort of like asymmetrical um Resident Evil DBD type type iteration. Um, and they're like, shit, like nobody's gonna buy this alone. And then they they had to pull RE three out, but that that's the story that I've heard. I, I could be wrong. Man, that really sucks. <laughs> that makes me sad. RE three gets no respect. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't have an original PlayStation, so like I played Resident Evil on PC and Resident Evil two on PC, and I don't think they released Resident Evil three on PC, so I, I never played it. Oh, dude, emulate that shit. It's good. My two favorite Resident Evils, uh, and and yeah, I wouldn't say they're the best, but they're my favorites. Uh, are three and Code Veronica. So, of course, they're the ones that are getting, you know. Shafted. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, buddy. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I'll tell you what they're going to do. Uh, before they ever consider remaking Code Veronica, they will straight up remake RE1 again in the new style. <laughs> I think so. I think after four, we're going to see one again because the remake yeah. of yeah. that came out around the same time as Twin Snakes, right? It doesn't need it. God, I don't even uh, think four they're... needs it. That's still a modern game, you know? Like it's so funny that like none of us even talk about five or six being like remade. They're like, what? No, they're not that. No, stupid. we don't want to talk. Like, about they're not. They're not going to do that. Like, what is? This I actually say? did play five and six because those were two player, right? I think I played those both yeah. through with my brother. I did have yes. fun with those. Like, like fuck is you know they, they were definitely goofy or whatever. Not very Resident Evil, but they were fun games. Like they were like Contra with zombies. Yeah, my <laughs> yeah. wife and I played through five. And that was a good time. And then I played a few minutes of six on it Leon's campaign. And I it's the only Resident Evil. It's only mainline <laughs> Resident Evil I have not beaten. I could not stand it. And I've tried to go back a few times. I just can't do it. It's terrible. It's obnoxious. Sorry. 
I'm sorry, RE6 fans. I'm sure there's something there worth enjoying, but I can't find it. Yeah. We are uh, getting a VR on uh, Resident Evil 8, so... I'm going to play the hell out of that. I'd probably have a heart attack if I tried that. I want Alien Isolation in VR, but that's a whole other topic. Oh, my God. I would totally have a heart attack, and I love the Alien movies. I, it seems like that'd be right up my alley, walking around on, like, the Nostromo set, even though it's the Did silver Did you play Isolation? Or... I, 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 I played a, a little while into it, but unfortunately, like, I, I played a few hours into it, then just kind of, eh, I kind of stopped. And unfortunately, yeah, it, that's kind of who I am now at this drags. point in my life. Yeah, it drags a bit. Um, it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's weird. Uh, like, it's this really tense horror game, but it's also sort of a mood game. It's really weird. I liked it a lot, but then I saw, like, people, like, trashing it, because, like, I, I don't know. They're like it's just like a, a door opener where like you just make the numbers on one side match the numbers on the other and then it opens and they were kind of criticizing yeah, some of the elements like that. But I'm like, you know what? That's something that we can naturally understand. Like we don't understand this futuristic technology, but we can make the numbers on one side match the numbers on the other side <laughs> to unlock a door. Especially when there's an alien chasing you. Like I don't want to think too hard. I'm already stressing out. Yeah, I don't want to be in an alien movie. That just seems super stressful. <laughs> going back to nitro's point i agree i mean resident evil 4 i'm, I'm, I'm at an impasse really because resident evil 4 i agree didn't really deserve a remake or at least it's 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 timeless enough and i feel the same way about the re1 remake it's timeless enough to where it, it doesn't necessarily require a remake plus there's like like 40 different ports of it anyway but at the same time i am very as a Big, big fan of the RE2 remake. I'm very curious to see, like, their interpretation of RE4 the same way they sort of reinterpreted RE2. That includes, you know, compensating the gameplay in a modern age while still kind of adhering to the, the overall tone and challenges that you expect from RE4. Um, but also, like, the characters. Like, I, I think I've blabbered about this in the show before, but I loved what they did with Leon. I loved like how ridiculously naive he was. I love the part where he's in the sewer and RE2 where he's in the sewers with um with Ada and he's like or no not when he's in the sewers with Ada but when he's like with Ben in the jail and 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 he's like we got and Ben's like yeah we gotta take down Irons. Irons is responsible for a lot of this and and Leon his dumbass he's like well well Irons must have put you in this cell for a reason. Um, and now, you know, seeing him all like, I'm curious to see how they make him, you know, just ho not hopeless, but cynical and disheveled like he was in four. I, I want to see that interpretation. I've been thinking a lot about Leon lately. Speaking of cynicism and Resident Evil four, do you think Sadler's going to be the new Mr. X? Um, uh... you think they'll have something like that? I mean, they've done it for actively chasing you like, yeah. yeah. I think. Hmm. I don't think it's going to be Sadler. I think it's going to be the pastor. Uh, what was his name? Uh, oh, his name is Vitores Mendez. Hmm. Um, he was the, like, because... Yeah, cause, yeah, you're right. Because the, uh, the, the, what do you call those? The nemesis folks? Um, they're always, like, first act villains. And if I recall correctly, that dude was sort of the first act. So I'm, I'm hedging my bets on that guy. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. But there's going to be there's going to be some sort of a of a of a pursuer type. Now, that being said. 
Now, can you imagine if they made Dr. Salvador the pursued? It's like a chainsaw just nonstop chasing you and you can't stop it. Um, that's should, the same. Um... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you should get. What's. <laughs> I can't remember the character's name, but um, the Napoleon character. What's his uh... <laughs> He was the stalker type. <laughs> just running after you. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be scary. Salazar. I regret yeah. not taking yeah. my brother's advice to play four now. Uh, four is fun, man. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I think I, I am kind of looking forward to this remake of it. Like, four was kind of goofy, too. Like, I'll play it. It was fun. and they, I, I've heard nothing fun, but good man. things about that, it. That's, I, as long, yeah, they got to keep the goofiness. That, that's what I was yeah. going to mention. It seems like they could improve because, like, it's been criticized, like, afterwards, right? That during the cutscenes, you had to, like, press X at the right moment. Or something like that. Yes. It's like do- dodge a boulder. Sort of and- like the it was first. Go ahead. I was going to say that, was, like, like you, Nitro was saying, that was sort of the first iteration of quick time scenes. Yeah. Um, God of War it- also kind of stood out with those as well. But that, that I remember being for like combos and fucking. It wasn't as, it wasn't, it wasn't like. <laughs> I just remember the knife fight with Krauser just stressing me out with the QTEs. Like, it was unbelievable. I don't know why. What were you going to say, Nitroid? That was pretty much it. <laughs> Better than I would have. Um, I mean, I've talked about my thoughts on RE4 before. I'm one of those weirdos who's not really a big fan of it. But, uh, you know, RE4 sort of represents to me the the beginning of the end of, of Resident Evil in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that's I have to admit that's kind of where I lost interest. Even though my brother's like four is amazing, you got to play it, and then it kind of went downhill with five and it's, six. Because I like classic RE, I like that it's scary, I like that it's moody, and four went in such a different direction that I just felt like, okay, you've made a fun game, but this isn't Resident Evil to me. At least this isn't what I like about Resident Evil, so I couldn't connect with it. And it wasn't until like seven that I was like, oh, okay, you guys are coming back around now. Like, that's where I, I sort of came back in. Yeah I, yeah, I love that survival horror element so much. And, and I know it's because of graphical limitations, but like, I liked the locked camera angles and the tank controls. Yeah, me too. I kind of still wish they would have remade RE2 in the style of the RE1 remake. There would be like a, a camera at the end of the hall that you'd be walking toward, and you'd hear a zombie shuffling around going... <laughs> and it was scary as hell, because you, you knew you were walking toward the zombie, but you couldn't see it. There were yeah, there was so much they could communicate with those angles. Like they would tell you just by how they would pick the angle, you sort of knew what you were being set up for. And not just in zombies, but in terms of like, okay, this room is gonna do this to me, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like a high camera angle would mean like the walls would close in. Or yeah, something. exactly. Stuff like that. So yeah. like it was always communicating things to you. There was more visual language. Whereas with like a 3D camera, you don't have that that you know, that director's sort of hand on everything you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's much it's less forced, curated. Yeah, it's like a forced perspective, yeah. I don't know what the answer is. It's funny that you mentioned that because I, I've as much as I'm really excited for that MGS2, like, 3D camera mod, there is something a little off about the art direction that I, it just feels wide. Yeah. Like insert insert fat man joke here, but like for some reason like the art direction or the textures, there's something about it that just looks wide. And I'm wondering if I'm just like that's just hitting me mentally for some reason because I'm not looking at it at its intended perspective. 
that could be part of it. Uh, the other part of it, I think, might also be the fact that it's on PC and yeah. PC's kind of finicky about the 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 FOV. So I was thinking it, that as well. Yeah, it could. I mean, either way, it does look strange. But you know, we've never seen the game like that before. Um, sorry, what what were you gonna say, D model? Oh, I'm sorry. I I can't contribute much. Unfortunately, I skipped out on four, even though my brother kept recommending it to me over and over and over again. Uh, you know, like I think of my ideal uh, Resident Evil game, like if they made like a Resident Evil 8, which is coming, you know, uh, probably like a, you know, a camera that moves with you like outside, out in the wilderness, out in the forest. But like when you get into like a mansion or a house, lock down those camera angles. I think they work really well to create tension in tight spaces. Sort of like a hybrid. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a hybrid. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I miss that. I, I almost wish like they would do a new Resident Evil movie where they did, had locked down camera angles. I think it's just really scary and effective. There, there is a game that it's a, an indie game that sort of tries to evoke the RE one remake, RE zero style, uh, with a, you know with a, with actual 3d environments rather than truly static cameras it's called tormented souls have you seen this i have not uh give a look uh at it it's it's pretty interesting it's it's got a lot of rough edges but in terms of gameplay and puzzles it's pretty darn good and it's it's it sort of scratches that early re style itch you know it's i'll it's, try to check that out uh I, I'm i'm not so I've I've got kind of fallen out of the gaming scene, unfortunately. I'm kind of the guy you, you bring in when you want to talk about the past. Where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to blow in Nintendo cartridges and put them in. <laughs> but uh, right now, kind of in the gaming world, I, I haven't really followed it at all since the Phantom Pain. I haven't even had a chance to play uh, Death Stranding yet. I was telling Fingers what I thought Death Stranding was because I don't know. But to me... Yeah, I wanted, wanted to make I sure we cover this. that because I know we're a bit at time. So... Death Stranding to me looks like, you know how uh, Kojima, he like uh, saw Escape from New York and that's kind of a huge influence on the original Metal Gear where like uh, you've got 18 hours to infiltrate this enemy stronghold yeah. and, and capture the, you know, find this VIP prisoner that they have and, and you've got to get the data disc and get it out of there and you only have 18 hours. Go. This is your mission. Well, to me, Death Stranding looks like he watched Kevin Costner's The Postman. <laughs> And was like, yes, this is this is going to be the theme of my next game in the postman. Kevin Costner is like in this post apocalyptic world where he's like a drifter. And I think he finds shelter in like a, a, a mail truck overnight. And there's like a dead mailman in it. That's like a skeleton wearing his postman uniform. And I think Kevin Costner puts it on for some reason and grabs the bag of mail and like goes to a town where they have like a wooden fence with like spikes. And they're like, who goes there? And Kevin Costner's like, I, I, I'm just the mailman. They're like, we're going to kill you unless you can, you, you can pick three letters. And if it's not somebody in this town, we're going to kill you. So then he picks out the first one. He's like, uh, is there a John Doe here? There's no John Doe. You have two more chances. Uh, That's pretty much death stranding. Is there a, a, a Jane Smith? There's no Jane Smith here. You have one more chance. And then he's like, uh, is, is there a, a rumpled stillskin? And then everybody's like, what, what, what? Rumpled Stillskin, will you come forward, please? And it's this like old lady who's like, uh, "Yes, that's me." And Kevin Costner's like, "I I have a letter for you," and she reads it, and it's so heartwarming. And then they let Kevin Costner into town, and he's handing out mail to everybody. And 
And then they're like, well, you know, the post office is a government office and there's no government anymore. Is the government coming back? And Kevin Custer's like, yes. Yes, yes. The, the government yes. is reforming and I'm, <laughs> I'm a postman and I'm a government employee and we're bringing the government back and we're bringing order back. And it like starts this like re- yeah, revolution there's, there's, movement. <laughs> there's definitely some parallels here. It's like without really playing Death Stranding, I think he kind of gets Where it. They kind of restart <laughs> the government and it's all because Kevin Costner impersonates a postman. That movie was like... <laughs> universally panned when it came out oh too. yeah right after Waterworld too it was like mm-hmm. why are you trying this again hey, don't do it look I kind of <laughs> like Waterworld okay no no I bought the Arrow video blu-ray and watched it and it's still garbage 25 years later but I it's just, fun garbage but yeah Waterworld is fun like I put Postman down there with like Battlefield Earth yeah Postman's <laughs> just not fun. it's got some it's fun production dumb. values and some cool scenes yes and who doesn't love uh, what's his face as a bad guy, Dennis Hopper? Oh, he's the best. He's a wonderful bad guy. But yeah, so Death Stranding to me looks like a cross between the Postman and like the Frighteners. Oh man, there's a reference. <laughs> the Frighteners, like where we're like Michael J. Fox can just freeze himself in a freezer and be a ghost in the ghost realm, where there's like monsters, and then hop back in his body when he's ready and just return to life. And it, Death Stranding to me looks like a cross between those two movies. <laughs> it, I, if anybody's not seen the frighteners i really recommend that that was a peter jackson film actually wasn't it it was like him trying it was the one he made before yeah. the lord of the rings trilogy and it's amazing it's got michael j fox it's so much fun i love it it's got jake Busey yeah. in it it's so good yeah that is a blast of a film i highly recommend it it's one of those hidden gems from the 90s that i didn't realize was kind of forgotten like no, not many people know about it well i'll tell you this uh you're your impression of Death Stranding as the Postman meets the Frighteners is actually pretty very yeah it's very <laughs> accurate. That's that's, that's yeah that's about right. that on the show. <laughs> I, I don't know much about the baby down uh, what's his face's throat, but uh, for the most part, it looks like a death. It looks like the Postman meets the Frighteners to me. Yep, and I look yeah, forward to playing right. it. You should definitely check it out. I want to. I I really want to. But the difference was like I I had my first kid in 2016. So I was able to play The Phantom Pain in 2015, but I wasn't able to play Death Stranding yet, which came out in, what, 2018? Yeah, welcome to Parenthood. <laughs> when, I, when I had kids, it was like, okay, well, I, I can't have seven hobbies. I can only have two hobbies. And, and unfortunately, like, video games was, like, ranked fourth or fifth for me. So I kind of put those aside for a while. And that's another reason why I'm doing the Metal Gear D model build. I, you know, it's just kind of a way of me celebrating my fandom and kind of looking internally and, and, and going, nah, I, I, I want to do something to kind of well, carry that Metal Gear torch just a little bit longer because I wasn't quite ready for this franchise to, to, you know, go into the grave just yet. It's admirable, and I want you to have as much support as you need to get this done. Uh, I will I will cheerlead for it as much as you need because it's an amazing I... project. Um, uh, if I could give you one piece of advice from from one parent to another, uh, uh-huh. get get used to locking doors now if you want stuff for this project to not be broken when they get older (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good piece of advice i don't have any locks on my doors right now other than the bathroom but i'm obviously not putting the stuff in there (laughs) yeah once you start the build secure it yep yep (laughs) cool thanks uh metal gear d model we appreciate you coming on the show man it's been a lot of fun uh if you want to plug all your you know your social media stuff where people can find you online you can go ahead with that 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, if people are interested in this model build, please check it out. It, it's not about me. It's not about ego. I mean, really, just as a fan of Metal Gear, I, I want to see this so bad that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make it happen. But I could, I could certainly use a lot of help. If anybody wants to check it out, check me out on, on Twitter at, at, at Metal Gear D model. And um, if anybody wants to, to help out or, or participate in some way, in all honesty, I think there are more photos of this model to be found online that just aren't labeled in a way that we can easily find them. I think people have gone to these Metal Gear anniversary parties, this Metal Gear 20th and Metal Gear 25th anniversary parties, taken photos and then dropped them on like, you know, some uh, photo application online and just said, oh, these are my summer 2012 photos. And they're, they're out there and they can be found if you try to look for them. But I could, I could use some help trying to find these photos because like Days Ahead was saying, it's, it's visual information. And that's what this whole project is about, is visual information and kind of deconstructing it to its core parts, these, these 3D uh, model kit parts. And looking at these 2D photos and saying, oh, okay, I, I recognize that model part. And then holding the model part in your hand and saying, okay, that is now a 3D part. We now understand what that looks like from every possible angle. And doing that for every single, you know, hidden corner of this Metal Gear D model. And then once all these parts have been identified, putting it all together and understanding it as a whole. It's quite the endeavor, man. It's uh, it's definitely admirable, and we uh, can't wait to see the finished product. It's gonna be really cool seeing a bunch of little Metal Gear D models running around. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, Best of luck. Yeah, I figured everybody was kind of waiting on me to like start building the model, but then I realized, gosh, I can I can extract so much information from these parts when they're separated. Yeah. Which is what I'm doing right now. The 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 book that I'm talking about putting together. I mean, it's it'll be three parts. I mean, it essentially be part one will be the photographs of the original model that I found. Part two will just be identifying the parts, which I'm doing right now, and I'm getting close to completion. I mean, I, I, I sent you guys, like, what I was working on. I mean, what, what, what did you guys think? Uh, it's beyond... I, I, I'm honestly kind of speechless because there's so much detail that you've been able to extract that it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it was very thorough. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word, thorough. Well, anyway, that's, that's what I'm on right now. And then once I really feel like I've ironed that out to the point where... Without a doubt, I'm I'm sure that it's correct. I'll start gluing some pieces together, and 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 people will see how it's coming along. Sweet. Oh yeah, man. We look forward, look to, forward it. to it. Yeah, and I hope that I'm. Um, thank you for coming on the show, and we hope that you know this can help you continue that endeavor. Maybe we can find maybe somebody will listen and, and help you find this info. So. Yeah, model builders, hit them up. <laughs> you might need some help here in a bit. Yes, model builders, anybody that understands modeling clay or, or, or sculpting or, or spray painting, all these things that I have never done before in my life, I, I, I would appreciate the advice. And, and Metal Gear fans, like I said, if you want to participate, start looking up photos. And, and I'll tell you right now, it's going to be a lot harder than just typing in Metal Gear D in the Google search engine. <laughs> the photos that remain out there that I think are out there, they're, they're well hidden. Start the hunt. Godspeed, man. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much, guys, for having me on the podcast. All right, man. Thanks again for coming on. 